Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Get The Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to discuss another burning wrestling issue, and that issue today is fantasy booking AEW's Perfect Collision debut episode, and the only real place to start here, Sidge, is, is CM Punk on it? I don't know. <laughs> like, I hope so. I'm torn, like... Every other day, I alternate between is the man worth it or isn't he? When the discourse gets too much and you read the real stories or the fake stories and who knows what stories are real or fake, you just get exhausted by it and you think, you know what, if you were in Tony Khan's position and you had a decision to make and it might actually reach this point where a decision has to be made, maybe I'd think, oh, he's not worth it. I think it was like 30 if he was like 30 and he was this talented and this much of a genius and this and he did have this literal cult of personality, I'd probably go, you know what, yes, he is, but he isn't. Um, and then I watch his work in AEW and I think, yeah, of course he is. The man is a professional wrestling genius. His work was unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, so, look, if there has to be a collision, yes, I hope he's on it, of course. Yeah. And I think he has to be on it. No, it's a disaster in waiting if CM Punk isn't on this program. Um, I'm not saying the program would instantly fail and be an irredeemable failure, but they can't launch it without them. It's mm. particularly not in the United Center. Um, they've already killed the idea of a um, second show not named Dynamite with their apathetic treatment of Rampage. So there's already a bit of um, suspicion and cynicism, at least from my perspective, maybe somebody else's, I don't know. Um this cannot launch without CM Punk. Otherwise, it's just two more hours of a show that, for me at least, was um, valuable because it just felt so elusive. This premium must-see two hours every single mm. week, a throwback in terms of... felt like anti-content, and now it feels like content. It will feel less like content if CM Punk is at the helm, but um, for my own very selfish reasons, yes, I want him to be on it. We're less than a month away before we get the first episode of AEW Collision. And I think Sid is right. CM Punk is an integral figure to it, not just in terms of being on the show, but that creative influence. And we should mention, at time of recording today, the news about Brian Danielson being brought back onto AEW Creative for Collision. Yeah, it's interesting that he um, wanted to get his feet wet in creative in WWE. Yeah. Um, I think he was just asked, you know. Yeah. And he, well, he was, he'd spoken, I think, didn't he, about he was he liked it and he sort of liked giving yeah. it a try and... 
you know, there hasn't yet, I don't think, been any major storylines that can be tied to Brian Anderson or Daniel Bryan in WWE that were a success, but this is a great opportunity to prove himself in this arena, and if it's something he wants to do, and we can start looking at stories that he's helped craft, then suddenly they've landed on yet something else that Brian Anderson can do, and is brilliant to have him on your team. In terms of Punk, Sidney's nailed it, launch is the word. Um, I think I've putting all my, punk, my pro-Punk biases to one side, I think... You know, you might only get six months after launch. It's reasonable to assume that this return might only last as long as his comeback. It's CM Punk. He's this controversial figure. Um, it's, for me, part of the appeal. But the reality is you might only get a year out of him, whether that's because of age, injuries, or backstage problems, or just the inability for everybody to work together forever, happily. You know, it might be a, there for a good time rather than a long one. But launch is crucial because he serves as a disguise from this being content. Cynicism for AEW doing anything beyond Dynamite is earned at this point in reality. Dark and Dark Elevation always were purpose-serving, if not, like, must-see, if not always spectacular and entertaining, they were purpose-serving, especially mm. when the rankings were in place. But even just to give wrestlers opportunities, potentially get them jobs, there was a, there was a kind of nice and an earnest purpose to Dark and Dark Elevation. Rampage had that for, what, six weeks? Like, if that. and Longer. But did it have it for longer? Like it's, I can think of those like early days of again that name CM Punk being exclusive to it. A few big title matches here and there. But the CM Punk Eddie Kingston promo battle happened. Well, there was these oh, like yeah. there was a few big special moments on Rampage when it was being taken seriously. But I just think you know too much time has passed where it swung the other way, and we've seen AEW get consumed by the excesses of content through Rampage, and to a lesser extent through Tony Khan thinking that he should have Ring of Honor and have it as a pressing concern and run pay per views and book the shows. And I just think, for now, Punk makes Collision feel different. Mm. He makes it feel like... Not the reason for it to be. The reason for that is all that money. That's the reason for it to be. <laughs> but from a creative standpoint, from a fan investment standpoint, yeah. he gives it the reason to be. It's really... It's not a hard sell without him, but it's really tricky to try and tell people it's different to Dynamite. Yeah. Without him, there's no... I can't think of a single wrestler on that roster that you could lift off Dynamite and say, you will never get them on Dynamite again. And I could well see them actually pitching that as a stipulation for a Chris Jericho, for example. But I don't think there's anyone else in that roster currently, pre-existing at least, that you could say, right, you're never going to get them on Dynamite again. That's going to make you go, well, best race to collision then. I think Punk is uniquely placed. There. Yeah, Punk's the sort of guy you say, you get CM Punk and you get Andrade yeah. and Miro and Thunder Rosa and what have you. I just without that name, I don't know, like you say, if it's going to have that same impact. No. In terms of launching shows, Dynamite and Rampage, brilliant both times. Um, obviously, like I say, Collision, June 17th uh, is when it is going to launch, Sige. What do they need to learn from what they did with Dynamite to make this show as consistent as we get from uh, Wednesday nights from AEW? Um, I've got two takes on this, and they might contradict one another, but I hope I can articulate it properly, okay? I want this show to feel different from Dynamite. As much as I love AEW when it's at its peak, I really, really think it's a great product when they reach those highs. I don't need to see two more hours of it in a week. I don't. Mm. Um, I'm old and I'm tired and I've got children. <laughs> and I just like the idea of having this awesome thing that a lot of thought goes into that has this anti-thumbnails everywhere feeling for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I just want it to feel elusive and premium and a, a, a destination for our weekly viewing. I just It just feels... Old school. It just feels like something that's worth the wait and all the rest of it. Um, so I don't need two more hours of dynamite at all. Um, 
especially when Dynamite this year and kind of last year as well is sort of eating itself in terms of its tropes and its cliches. I mean, Starks versus Jericho. Yes, the match was good at Revolution, but what a cliche. What a cliche of a build with a gauntlet like Tony Khan is exhausting those ideas that first felt fresh. So I do think um, in and of itself and because Dynamite is starting to show its age, um, I do think um, Collision must feel different. Now, the perfect scenario is that um, Dynamite is helmed by the elite. They can continue their incredible story, which has been um, like renewed and rebooted or whatever, and they take this episodic mystery approach wherein is Don Callis going to turn on Kenny Omega? What's the status between the elite? Friends, foes, mm-hmm. somewhere in between? What side is Takeshita on? Like, um, they... With Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and the Elite, they like to weave these sort of spiderweb narratives where there's loads of different things going on, Easter eggs, lots of different players. They love storylines that fold in a lot of different wrestlers. For me, and this works because you've got CM Punk for now, you think, (laughs) um, at the helm of Collision, or at least greatly influencing the booking, I'd love to see an emphasis on one-on-one blood feuds, like less fussy, not saying like not as detailed, Mm. not just they talk trash to one another, then they have a beat down and then they have a fight. No one wants to watch 29 NXT. (laughs) What I'm saying is that if they can have, if they can aspire to Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page on Wednesdays and aspire to MJF versus CM Punk on Saturdays, Mm. that's what I want to see. That's the best possible outcome to having a split roster and two two-hour TV shows. Now, when you ask me the other bit of that question is what lessons can they learn from Dynamite? I think it's a, it is imperative that the first episode of Collision kind of borrows from Dynamite, and that's where I'm being a bit hypocritical. The first episode of Dynamite was phenomenal. Between the Cody versus Sammy Guevara match and the foreshadowing that Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho might be in cahoots, but you would never have noticed that after just watching it for 20 minutes, and then the inner circle forms. What they did, and this is the most pretentious thing I might have ever said, think of the ground that covers, is that they sort of incited this narrative Big Bang, where in one angle, that was perfect, that created so much. One plot hole, it should have been an ODQ, but they formed the inner circle, they advanced Chris Jericho, versus Cody Rhodes. They um, further built John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. They planted the seeds for the Blood and Guts match, even if it didn't end up happening because of the pandemic. It was like a narrative big bang, and it just kept me on the hook for, Mm. oh, I'd like to see what happens with this, 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 that, that, and that. And it gave me the trust, the all-important trust that, wow, if I keep watching this show, because I've been shown a thrilling glimpse of this main event picture, I know that the next six months, realistically, they've got a plan for Mm. it. And watching that plan unfold and the trust that what you are watching is actually purposeful was really pivotal to my, like, early AEW fandom. If they can do something that with Collision, I can't book it, Tony Khan should book it. And CM (laughs) Punk should have influence over it because he's a diamond-sharp wrestling mind. Then that is the way to do it. Yeah, you know, I can't disagree with any of that. Dynamite proved itself a success story when in early 2020 it got that rights fee deal off the back of 
one of its weaker runs, truthfully, at the tail end of 2019. Yeah. It still got the trust of the viewership. Tony Khan was able to get the trust of the network, and immediately, obviously, when he took control in early 2020, probably reassured people that, now there's going to be a singular vision with a bit of guidance. So following that pattern makes business sense, but it also makes creative sense. I think AW, this is a really strange time for AW to be launching a new television show. If you look at their business currently, it's business has probably never been softer domestically, and yet 61 plus as yeah. of recording, 1,000 tickets are sold in Wembley. Uh, they're not, they're just not selling arenas out in America, and yet we're talking about a TV show that's generating billions of dollars that might debut in the United Center. So it's like, it's such a study in contrast at the moment, AEW. You can take some of that conversation away by reassuring people from the off that Collision is going to be the AEW you want, not more of the one you don't. And I just think that following that model, again, it places trust in some of the creative people. So if it is Brian or if it is Punk with Tony Khan, it kind of places trust in that system. It stands to get a lot of wrestlers like we'll talk about like roster split and stuff and how you're going to use different wrestlers but it stands a chance to get a lot of wrestlers over that really have struggled in this what's increasingly felt like a bloated and overloaded roster mm. it doesn't have to feel like that despite how many wrestlers tony khan signs it doesn't have to feel like it is overloaded and bloated but his way of booking them was part of the problem getting them for like two or three really hot weeks and then not seeing them again because they were replaced by somebody else was what gave you the feeling of it being there just being too many wrestlers this could solve that problem whilst setting up all these brand new storylines. I'm genuinely, I'm an advocate for keeping the rosters as separate as possible for that reason. Even if stories start to mirror each other with Wednesdays and Saturdays, I don't think it'll feel like that as much if the performers themselves are different. One thing they're going to struggle with here before we move on, sorry to interject very quickly, is that AEW and Dynamite, their entire MO is the wrestling buffet, yet... All of what you want if you're a big sort of wrestling fan and loves the range of the form. So you get like Lucha, you get Brawls, you've mm -hmm. had Grapple with uh, Thatcher and Danielson, and um, you've had got like North American style death matches, Japanese style death matches, strong style, like everything. It's going to be hard, given how much they embrace the range of pro wrestling, for these shows to be distinct from one another, which worries me slightly. Nobody's ever talked about the Rampage Buffet, have they? No. As much as you get different things, and it does follow that model theoretically with Dynamite. It's never been really discussed in practice yeah. in the same way, has mm -hmm. it? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Um, we'll talk about potential matches, personnel in, in due course, but obviously they've taken major influence from Monday Nitro with the visuals for AW Collision. In terms of the show, what's it going to look like? I desperately hope it. it's fantasy booking to say make it look like Nitro. People love the Nitro set and the logo is obviously this loving homage to it and TNT I think is a big driver of that. The fact it's on TNT and you can have that as part of the logo is quite nice. A set similar to it really wouldn't hurt. I sometimes wonder if, say, my own personal love of wrestling aesthetics is to do with a distance that I sometimes have, not so much from Dynamite, but from the pay-per-views in AEW, mm. but it is a conversation you increasingly see more of because they set the standard really high early doors. It's John Moxley throwing Kenny Omega off the stack of chips. It's as weird as it was because Full Gear started off being about a tyre and then ended up being about cogs. The cogs still look cool. Like, you know, if you think about the good and bad of the um, Arthur Ashe shows, mm. how amazing the stage looked the first time versus the arena and like what you could have done with it in terms of lighting it up. They've lately had a m- bit of a mixed record with their aesthetics and like Andy Murray of this parish often says the screens remind him too much of how WWE present television and yeah. you don't want to tune in to as somebody that even likes WWE. I don't necessarily want to turn into AEW. You bloody love WWE. Bloody love it, I do. <laughs> and yet I don't want it to necessarily look like that. Yeah. I want it to be its own thing. And this is, for me, a bit of an open goal. They might not say it that way. It's boring. It's capitalist to just say, hi, big screens in a truck. I wish it wasn't, but it is. But I genuinely think they will earn, if we're talking about how to generate some good faith and good trust in this new show and the reason to tune in, you are really setting your soul out, I think, if it looks and feels new and different. Like, it can never be brand spanking you like Dynamite was because that was an entire new company, new initials, everything. But... The way AEW's looked over the last year just has contributed, I think, to that feeling that it's actually older than four years. It's helps it be missable sometimes. There was lots of discourse about the black ropes coming back. So I think people are seeing aesthetics and wanting them a certain way. And I do think this is a, a huge opportunity for AEW to just dress the show slightly differently mm. as a way to create further divide between the two nights. I've got a slightly different take um, in that I loved at the start... The entrance tunnels, like the like the sort of the hot spotlights that weren't LED, and just the fact that it was really brightly lit in a normal light compared to like those deep primary hues of blue and red on Raw and SmackDown, because it looked like Nitro without the same set, but it looked yeah. aesthetically like bright, like um, Nitro used to do. And then I thought when they needed to take the next step. I was all in favor of something more futuristic, not sub WWE, but a little bit more, a little bit more futuristic, a little bit more big time. Um, I don't want it to look like Nitro necessarily, even though I loved Nitro and it looks great because I just think it's nostalgia porn. 
And as much as I like that, I can go and watch Nitro. I don't necessarily think it's this really cool new look that's striking to a new audience. Like, we're all in our late 30s. Of course, we and many other people mm-hmm. on Twitter want it to look like Nitro. Will a younger audience that AEW was trying to go for think that looks good or just will it think it looks like chintzy, janky? Mm. What I would do, and it's not particularly TV-friendly, I guess, Rip off Backlash, it looked amazing. Don't have a massive set at all. Have it look like this really minimalist, understated, warts and all. This is just a pro wrestling arena where pro wrestling fights happen. And that could maybe mirror the vibe of my idea for how the storyline structuring and plotting should go, where intense focus on... Just make it look like Crockett. That's the nostalgia you should be looking for. <laughs> when uh, Sid said backlash there, I thought you meant the uh, the pincers, because they'd be colliding. No, I'm just obsessed with Bad Bunny's entrance. Well, you see, what would be better than one SmackDown fist is two SmackDown fists. Colliding. Colliding. Yeah. Collision. Oh, two SmackDown fists. You know what you're doing? Double SmackDown. And I think you're an absolute knob. Double SmackDown goaded. <laughs> um... Let's, I'm going to make really annoyed me. Well, I'm only going to make things worse. I now. hate the SmackDown fist because we have to talk about a roster split in terms of personnel on this show. We sort of know a few people, obviously associated with it. Who would you like to see on it? Who would you like to see on the um, uh, debut episode, potential even matches and, and main event? But also your general thoughts on a, a brand split almost within AW. Mm. Mm. I'm not like it's. I don't like it. I don't like it. It feels like a compromise. Mm. What I love about AEW's general approach, and I'm not saying this necessarily changes, um, but I love when, just before the main event, Excalibur tells you what's happening next week. Because even now, it's still like a, a boundless possibilities factory of, he's wrestling him. But next week, that's amazing. You know it's possible because these... Wrestlers are either hired to full-time deals or are Tony Khan has access to them and can use them every now and then mm. for his working agreements with New Japan or whatever. And that, if there's collision and there's a separate roster, like you're really narrowing the scope. Now, he was able to do this with a much, much leaner roster before it blew up to incredibly ridiculous proportions in 2022. But I just don't like the idea that you're kind of narrowing that down. And I don't like the idea of what inevitably happens in every wrestling book that always makes the same mistakes that makes me despair over the state of the industry. There's always too many titles get introduced. There's always too many um, gimmick matches that stop making sense Mm. and they don't have the same prestige. And the excesses defined my sort of... I don't think it's a love-hate thing with AEW, but I'm certainly removed from it yeah. compared to where I was about one or two years ago. And I just think that, right, you've got two rosters now. And, all right, okay, well, the world champion, there isn't a big title program on one show, and maybe that's why we're suffering. Should we get a second title? Now, that seems like something Tony Khan wouldn't do, particularly given the way that certain cynical WWE observers reacted to the new world heavyweight title. I'm not saying that WWE fans hate this development, but you'd think, all right, okay, that's not the mistake I would make. But Tony Khan did things that he said he wasn't planning on doing in 2019 because that's how these things shake out. So, yeah, I just don't like the idea of the split. Personally, I think it will 
um, better allow Tony Khan to indulge things that he's already prone to indulging himself himself with at the same mistakes that every other booker makes. Like, too many factions, too much blood. Like, remember Double or Nothing 2019? Mm -hmm. Watching Dustin Rhodes, I thought he was going to die. And when he didn't, it was great. And it was so powerful. That's gone. Like, so much has gone from AEW with this excess. Like, the shock debut. Like, Jeff Cobb got a bigger pop and more awestruck reaction than, like, bigger stars than Jeff Cobb after the fact, because that's what happens when you repeat things. And I just think that he will indulge the worst habits by having two rosters, so I'm not a big fan. And again, we are sit- sitting here under the premise of, let's go and fantasy book the best um, AEW collision card. Maybe we're just terrible fantasy bookers, who knows? <laughs> but it's hard for me to sit down and go, right, okay, what would be great for collision? And what roster and what combinations of that roster would be great for collision? Because, like, you kind of see all of this on Dynamite. There's nothing new in AEW. Mm. You know what I mean? It's a bad time to do this, I think. What do you think about a roster split and a, a potential second world title in AEW? I don't love a second world title. But if we are fantasy booking, I think the fantasy version of a roster split can work really well. It's not, roster splits aren't popular because, like, so much in North American wrestling, WWE have ruined it. There are good ways to do things that WWE have just failed to illustrate over and over and over again. But I think there is scant objective, scant, but scant objective evidence that a roster split can be really, really effective, done very well, and make things more meaningful as a result. And I would use WrestleMania 21 as the objective evidence to that. A monster drawing WrestleMania that had two world title matches that were both like annoying. Pretty rubbish. Rubbish matches, <laughs> anoint your team, really effective. Anoint your yeah. two new stars at the same Taking time. The you absolutely could have argued either one of those two storylines closing the show. Like, thank goodness it was Batista rather than that dreadful John Cena JBL <sighs> match. But either way, the point was they were both going to be the next big things at the same time. Mm. Meanwhile, on the undercard, Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels was a legit dream match, and it was Raw versus SmackDown. So it was a WWE. If you've just started watching wrestling the last two or three years, it's a dream match because the best guy on Raw is fighting the best guy on SmackDown. I can't believe it. If you're a lifer like... disciplined then as well. Yeah, if you're a lifer like us, Sean and Kurt, are you kidding? It was so disciplined by that point. If like, And again, there are imperfections here because disciplined meant, I don't know, No Mercy 2004 being a SmackDown exclusive show. And it's like, who's going to want to watch that? But like, <laughs> Great American Bash 2004. Yeah, countless, Jesus countless pay-per-views that like... Thank goodness, over in the UK, you still weren't required to pay for them all every month. I don't know who would. So again, it's tricky to manage. Um, But I think it can, it needs to be handled with discipline, but also encourages discipline because you do have that leaner roster and you do think, right, these are the pieces on the board. Just exactly how much can I rearrange these? And let's say, well, we'll use this summer as a perfect example. Let's say they do do that and then they stick to it for several months, but then the rosters come together for something like All In and they start teasing the prospect of maybe not something impromptu, but certainly one wrestler from Collision. So like, it's going to be Wembley Stadium, and I want you. And they've been kept separate for months, and it's Wembley Stadium where they're going to come together, and it's going to feel like a big show. It's going to... I honestly think it could spice up the pay-per-views. Mm. I think it could like add a bit of extra... You don't get spice. They're great. Well, the Revolution and Double or Nothing builds this year have been like less than ideal, I would say. They do deliver on the night, yeah. pay-per-views by and large, but the, the builds haven't been quite as up to like the standard we come to expect from AEW. And I think it would, again, if we're fantasy booking, this is well handled and it's carefully plotted just like those WWE shows were where you're like, well, you, you only bring wrestlers together on the Rumble and then, or the Survivor Series, and the next time they see each other is the Rumble. 
and then you can use them if you want at WrestleMania. I can't believe that WWE was disciplined back then to do that <laughs> because then you've seen what's happened in the years hence. Vincent Mann would just get bored. He's like, I just want to see that match. Yeah, but Vince, we can't really have them interact for six more months. Do it tomorrow. Oh, well, that's dead then. Like, you want to believe that AEW is better mm. and will handle with care, but I understand people's uh, reservations about it. Finally then, debut episode of AW Collision. Who, who do you want to be on it in terms of, do you establish a, a, a potential Samoa Joe, uh, CM Punk feud? Do you establish Chris Jericho, Andrade, Thunder, you know, people like that? Yeah. Like, not to be a downer, but you're limited in terms of your fantasy booking here, which is what AEW, for me, is not about. It's a possibilities factory where you can have this wrestler, no matter his background or her background or their background, and they can have this incredibly stylistically wild match with such and such. That's what AEW was, the buffet. It's kind of hard for me, and I'm sorry, I'm stepping on the dick of this podcast, <laughs> which is meant to be more fun. And I'm sure I'll love Collision, at least oh, yeah. for a while, when it first begins. But the whole idea of this being a total compromise in the show that exists to pacify CM Punk and have him work with people who he hasn't butted heads with, dot, 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 yet really limits the scope of fantasy booking because you have to go through the drudgery of reality and um, play a game of, what's the game called? Process of elimination, mm. right? Where it's, right, okay, well, you can't have him because CM Punk and that person um, had a backstage fight or they had a run-in in WWE and they don't see eye to eye and he shot a shoot video where he buried CM Punk um, in a diner, and uh, right, okay. <laughs> um, that leaves CM Punk versus about eight people who want to work with him. You know what I mean? It just... This is a mistake. It, every time I talk around it and then try and delve into it, you can't fantasy book the drudgery and reality of pacifying CM Punk. It just makes it quite difficult. CM Punk versus Samoa Joe would be great. Okay, they've got incredible chemistry, incredible history. They would like have this incredible match where CM Punk gets killed by CM Joe in the ROH trilogy at various points. It's amazing. This version of CM Punk selling much more than he did for C for Samoa Joe would be like an exceptional bit of work. But then, right, they get that done, and they maybe do a Chris Jericho program, and then other first blows probably already happened. You know what I mean? Like, mm. be more uh, optimistic Well, to send us home. One of the guys that's been missing and missed has been Miro. Yes. And I think one of the reasons why people missed him so much is because we were just on the cusp of seeing him become a top guy. And it wasn't just an AEW. The character was an AEW creation in collaboration with Miro. But it was a feeling that we all had from the Rusev Day era when Vincent Mann just thought that was funny. And everybody was like, there's a yes movement on the cards here, and you're going to blow that. And <laughs> in he goes into AEW, and the character is different, but the feeling isn't. Mm. The vibe is the same, and he's rising up, and it's a, finally it's happening. Finally, he's going to fulfill his potential, and then it doesn't happen for various reasons. One of them, obviously, being Miro's own, as we've later found out, reservations about certain matches, but also because the company was filling up and filling up and filling up. That might not be a problem. So you have that with a Miro. You extend that out to an Andrade. Thunder Rosa... Um, and I'm, I'm using these examples on purpose because we've seen them advertised for it, but, but because in storyline, uh, for storyline purposes, Thunder Rosa and Miro are apparently the reason why Tony Khan devised. Uh, well, if you two oh, yeah. come around, our best two collision. <laughs> like, if you remember, like those two 45 minute, yeah. multi million Go on, TV then. deal. We'll give you a show. <laughs> like, but, but Thunder Rosa, 
as somebody that for a while we were all very excited to see yeah. lead up a women's division and didn't for various reasons, but still could and might get the chance to now. I say fantasy booking because there's so many ifs and buts. I share Sidgwick's worries about this because we've seen we've seen like loads of versions of this go wrong. We've seen the WWE brand split era go wrong. We've seen Thunder be kind of the beginning of the end for WCW as a company. This won't do that for AEW. But in terms of like how much you can really be invested, there are loads of ways in which this goes wrong. But in fantasy booking, a bunch of talent that I wish it wasn't because they're friends with CM Punk and they're friends with the Elite. And I'd like to think over time, it won't be, those won't be the dividing lines. Hopefully, people can work together, people can make friends. Uh, who's a good example of somebody that could work? Like, Darby Allen, you assume, could say play both sides. Mm-hmm. Like, had this great run with CM Punk, but has obviously, at this point, been colleagues with the Elite for years and is so key to AW's success. MJF may be another, right? Huge, well, you huge say stars, him, right? Because that establishes it, because the whole thing was like, MJF doesn't go on rampage. He'll lose the belt, but he'll value collision is just important. Those are two guys that are massive stars. They might start on Dynamite and Collision, respectively, if there was to be a hard split. But they're people that can switch. And these roster splits don't have to last forever. I'm not suggesting we have an AEW superstar shake-up. But there can be changes made. (sighs) I am suggesting we have a what culture AEW draft. There's not... yeah, there's precedence to this already. Eddie Kingston is sick of working for Tony Khan. He's going to ring a bloody honour. Like, so they've done it in yeah. their own stories already. So you and it wasn't good. It wasn't good, but you can do <laughs> better versions of this. You know, I think it's because he was going to ring of honour. If, if this was already in play and he was like, I, I don't want to work Dynamite anymore, but I'll go to Collision, we'd be like, awesome, we're getting Punk Kingston too. You know, like, there would be examples of how it can work. But, and there is loads of buttons, howevers, with Collision, the... If we're fantasy booking anything AEW, the biggest match, bar none, is CM Punk versus Kenny Omega. And that's one of the few ones that simply cannot happen right now unless we reach the point where we are doing stadium dream matches. Yeah. And that that's where that's why there's so many caveats and qualifiers. I'll say one more thing that's probably more true to the title of the podcast, just in time for everyone to have tuned out, <laughs> is that the thing I hate about all of this at its core is that the fun thing about CM Punk returning after Brawl Out is, cool, obviously he's going to work for the Elite. And he's going to work for the other people that he fell out with. Great, let's make some money and have some really nice sort of stories with an edge. That isn't happening. Collision is happening in its place. And it's it could be a great compromise, but it's a compromise. If they can't do CM Punk versus the Elite, which sucks because it would be so awesome, do CM Punk versus MGF. MGF... It's got the perfect in-character motivation for not going on collision, even though he's the champion. You could probably believe that he's not going to turn up because he never wrestles on TV hardly. That's his gimmick. He's a special attraction. Punk beats Joe. Lights go out. MJF versus CM Punk in the middle of the ring. And he kicks him in the balls again and then shakes his hand over CM Punk's prone body and then walks out. Spits on him. I don't know. <laughs> and Punk's got a history for being annoyed on big shows, people stealing his spotlight. Yeah, exactly. That would feed in... Wilbur, what a fantastic idea that hey, is. <laughs> bought a baby. I'm on a roll. It's the one thing, because if you remember, CM Punk um, said, I have to work with pricks constantly, and that was in <laughs> reference yeah. to MGF. It's the, one of the few things they can do that makes actual money from the CM Punk as an egomaniac, and yeah. he hates everyone, and everyone hates him. That's the intrigue here. And I think the closest they can get politically is CM Punk versus MJF. Love that. Well, let us know your thoughts, your predictions, your fantasy booking uh, for the debut of AEW Collision in the comment section below or on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch, they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at... 
M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. But for now, my thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.